What's up, loves? This is Love or Obsession. I'm Queen. Hey, y'all. Today I'll be talking about Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. So smart, they was dumb. Before I get into the story, I wanted to holler at y'all, see what was up, see what's good with y'all, what you know good. (laughs) The world's still crazy, you know, everything declining like a motherfucker, but besides the bullshit, life's great, right? We won't complain. Okay, now, um, so yeah, y'all, I I don't know, I wasn't gonna tell y'all right away, but I figure I could tell y'all now. I'm not a meal carrier anymore. I'd have made a little career change. Um, I will be working um, as a direct service professional, working one-on-one and very closely with adults with autism or physical disabilities. Um, I might do a little mental health also. So yeah, you guys, I'm learning a lot. Um, Training is very informative and exciting. And also, I feel real good doing this work. I feel like um, it's keeping my heart pure. And also, um, disabled individuals is a group of individuals that's most discriminated against. We always talk about discrimination amongst groups and individuals, and everybody seems to always leave people or individuals with disabilities out of the conversation. And I'm going to advocate for them. I'm going to be a voice for them. I'm going to stand up for them. I'm going to speak for them. I'm going to step for them. So with all that being said, you guys, let's be aware and stay woke. Okay, so now we're getting into um, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. Um, I'll just refer to them as Leopold and Loeb um, as they are referred to um, if you do research about them. These guys were rich and privileged, um, smart as fuck, too smart for their own good, but they were pompous and they were assholes. So (laughs) um, Nathan Leopold was born on November 19, 1904 in Chicago. His family um, come from Jewish, German descent. They were immigrants and they were wealthy. He was considered a child prodigy. It was said that he spoke his first words at four months. Um, Leopold completed an undergraduate degree at the University of Chicago with Phi Beta Kappa honors. He was on his way to Harvard Law School. Um, He studied 15 languages and is said to have spoke five of those languages fluently. He was a bird watcher. Um, Now, his partner in crime, Richard Loeb, was born June 11, 1905, a Gemini and a Scorpio. (laughs) That's trouble. Um, Not based on their intentions, of course. Um, I said that's trouble. Um, But the Gemini probably would have been following Scorpio's lead, you know, but just down for whatever. Um, Richard Loeb was born in Chicago, too. His father was a wealthy lawyer and retired vice president of Sears. Um, I think they said the last store is closing soon, Sears. Um, His father was Jewish. His mother was Catholic. He was intelligent as fuck. Um, Like his friend Leopold, he graduated from the University of Michigan at age 17. He skipped some grades. After that, he studied history at the University of Chicago. And I've seen... uh, 
I see these two like Pinky and the Brain. That's how I look at them. What are we going to do tonight, Brain? The same thing we do every night. Try and take over the world. <laughs> when I had Joy, it, I used to say that to her because it seemed like it was always just me and her. And of course, Philip, my son, but it was always just me and her for the most part. I used to be like, what are we going to do tonight, Joy? Oh, but yeah. Um. Okay, with Leopold being the brain and Lowe being pinky, <laughs> Leopold and Lowe both grew up in the Kenwood neighborhood. They knew each other as kids, but had gotten close during the mid-1920s. Um, they had a mutual interest in crime. Um, Leopold and Lowe were so bored with being wealthy and smart and privileged and having their way that they decided that they were untouchable and so smart that they were going to commit the quote-unquote, perfect crime. The pair decided that their perfect crime would be a kidnapping. Leopold followed the philosophy of Frederick Nietzsche, the idea of a superman, a superhuman, who has superior qualities inherited within him. So he basically, like, it's not on them, it's in them. Like, it wasn't on me, it's in me, okay? Um, which ordinary laws don't apply to them. He said, if it don't apply, let it fly. They end up coming up with the kidnapping plan. Um, yeah, that's... I, <laughs> If y'all still with me, they end up coming up with a kidnapping plan. And Leopold just followed the philosophy of a guy that was basically saying that regular laws um, didn't apply to him. He felt lawless. He felt untouchable. Um, and so he wanted to prove that with this whole plan of kidnapping. Um, as like the big plan um, that they came up with, because they was thinking of a lot of things as to what they was going to do. And I guess the master plan, a big thing was the kidnapping, okay? Um, because the other small crimes that they committed together, like petty theft and vandalism, it didn't get them any recognition. So they they endangered and possibly killed a child so the whole thing could be sensational and they would get public attention behind it so um what nowadays they call it clout chasing they say clout chasing is a very very dangerous thing and um that's basically what they would have been doing if they was living in this day and time they actions of what they did what this story i'm gonna tell you guys it'll be a prime example of clout chasing Okay, um, so Leopold and Lowe spent seven months planning everything from the duck, from the abduction to the disposal of the body. They made up a bullshit ransom plot, um, devised a plan of collecting the ransom, um, and created complex instructions just to play games with the family. Okay, when Leopold and Lowe decided that it was time to find a victim, the two staked out an old school that Leopold attended, the Harvard School for Boys. It was located in the Kenwood area, um, and that's probably like Kenwood High School nowadays. Um, I don't know. Nope, you guys, I was wrong. The Harvard School for Boys were located on 47th and Ellis, and in 1962, it merged um, as a co-ed school with St. George, and then it went on to be called Harvard St. George, which closed July 2003. Okay, so the Harvard School for Boys was an all-boys school, and then it merged with the St. George School, and it became co-ed, but the school closed down in 2003. 
Um, yeah, wow, y'all, that's some sh- Chicago history, you guys, to all my Chicago wins out there. So back in the 1920s, the Harvard Boys School is where wealthy families sent their sons to learn Latin and Greek. Um, so Leopold and Loeb scoping out this school, looking for a victim. They settled on Robert Bobby Franks. Bobby at the time was 14 years old. He was born September 19th, 1909. Wow, what's today? Today is September 19th. Wow. Happy birthday, Bobby. Rest up. It's 1909. Um, His father, Jacob Franks, was president and owner of the Rockford Watch Company located in Rockford, Illinois. Um, 1909 is when the company was founded. Um, the Rockford Watch Company went out of business in 1915, but in the 1920s census, Jacob Franks, which is Bobby Franks' father, he still listed his occupation as owner of a watch company, okay? Um, I seen a picture of Bobby and his dad. They both had on suits with their hats, and little Bobby looked so cute. Um, so let me tell y'all, Bobby was Loeb's cousin, Richard Loeb. Bobby and oh y'all I'm so flustered because I just can't fucking believe it but Bobby was Loeb's cousin his second cousin Bobby lived right across the street from Loeb and Bobby played tennis at Loeb house on several several occasions now it's fucked up what they planned you know doing that doing what they planned doing it to anyone is not cool it's real fucked up but doing it to your own cousin is a whole nother level of fucked up okay that reminds me of this movie next day air y'all seen next day air um i think it's who is in there i know mike epps in there for sure and i forgot because i ain't seen it in a while but basically it was these guys they was robbing folks and they was looking for another victim and one of them was like, well, let's let's rob such and such. And he like, man, but that's my cousin. And then he like, well, shit, we robbed my cousin before. And then the other guy was like, well, it was your plan to rob your own cousin. So I'm like, God damn. Like, and that shit. Um, so the whole plan was bullshit because, like, don't kidnap and kill people, you know, especially kids, but especially don't do it to your own damn family members, okay? Um, so from this point on, this is a trigger one, and because I'm gonna get into what they did to Bobby, and I will tell it without trying to make your flesh crawl or make you feel too disturbed because it. I don't like crimes committed against children. I don't like crimes committed against anyone, but especially children really like make me want to be a murderer too. You won't kill a child. I'm, I'm going to kill your ass. No, I'm just... Okay, so here we go, you guys. The day was May 21st, 1924. Leopold rented a vehicle under a different name. Um, Leopold and Loeb offered Bobby a ride as he walked home from school. Um... Okay, look, pause. All my youngest out there, do not get in the car with strangers, okay? Hell, watch the people you know too, okay? I'm not saying go around acting like a weirdo, suspecting people and acting suspicious yourself, but I am saying pay attention to your surroundings, check vibes, listen to your gut feeling, you know, now, initially, Bobby refused to rat. He refused to rat. He was like, no, I'm cool. I'm just, I'm almost where I'm going. Like, um, it's just a block and a half away. But Bobby's cousin, Loeb, convinced him with small talk about Bobby's interests, like tennis. So some believe that Loeb was in the back seat with a chisel 
And once Bobby sat in the front seat, Lowe beat his cousin in the head while Leopold drove the vehicle. And you'll see later on in the story, once um, a confession come about, the two criminals going to be blaming the crime on each other. Like, no, I drove and he did it. Or no, I drove and he did it. But who knows? You know, they both guilty. Um, Leopold and Loeb was 19 to 18 at the time. Loeb hit Bobby several times in the head with a chisel. Then he dragged him in the backseat and gagged him. And that's how Bobby died. Leopold and Loeb drove near Wolf Lake in Hammond, Indiana. They removed all of Bobby's clothes. And when the sun went down, don't let the sun go down on me. That's my song, y'all. Okay, but yeah, when the sun went down, they dumped Bobby's body near some train tracks and they poured a hydrochloric acid on his face and on his genitals to obscure his identity and to disguise the fact that he was circumcised. Um, and that was all to make Bobby's body hard to identify. Now, Bobby's parents received a ransom note, and we all know that Leopold and Loeb was really playing games because Bobby was now deceased and was and was so when the parents was gathering money for his return. And we know that this whole situation was nonsense. It definitely wasn't about no money. The whole ransom plan, bullshit they constructed, then played, it didn't even play all the way out like they planned it to because Bobby's body was found pretty quickly. And that was something that they didn't intend to happen. And the investigation ensued right right away. So Loeb tried to keep his head down and keep his nose clean, move about quietly. But Leopold spoke freely to the police and to reporters, talking to anyone who would listen about what might have happened to Bobby. Leopold was even quoted saying, quote, if I were to murder anybody, it would be just such a cocky little son of a bitch as Bobby Franks, end quote. And to me, that's the pot calling the kettle black, speaking of a cocky son of a bitch, you know? Okay, so near Bobby's body, police found Leopold's eyeglasses, a pair that was so unique in style that only three pair existed in Chicago at the time, and Leopold being one of those customers. Um... Yep, that goes your perfect crime, dumbasses. But Leopold had an explanation about being there bird watching the previous week, but I call bullshit. Leopold and Loeb was called in for questioning on May 29th. May 29th, whoop, whoop, if you know, you know. Okay, but their alibi was uncovered as a lie. With their backs against the wall, Le Loeb, confess first. Now Loeb said in his confession that Leopold planned everything and that Leopold killed Bobby while he drove the vehicle. Upon hearing this, Leopold like, oh yeah, as he confessed right out because he confessed right after Loeb, but he insisted that he drove the car while his counterpart Loeb was the murderer. It was never a clear understanding who actually struck the fatal blow, but they both admitted and agreed that they were just basically thrill-seeking, an intellectual thrill. Ain't that a bitch? Somebody's life being taken away because these individuals want to seek a thrill. Get out of town. The trial was a media frenzy. The defense attorney was good at his job. His name was Clarence Darrow. He did a good job, but on September 10th, 1924, 
1924. I don't know why I keep wanting to say 1924. 1924. Nah, but on September 10th, 1924, Leopold and Loeb were sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Bobby Franks and 99 years for his kidnapping. They were held at Joliet Correctional Center until Leopold was transferred to Statesville Penitentiary in 1931. When Love was transferred to Statesville, it was said that they expanded the prison school system, adding a high school and a junior college curriculum. Curriculum, Evil geniuses, you guys. What are we going to do tonight, Brain? Same thing we do every night. Okay, January 28, 1936, Loeb was shanked in prison and he died from his wounds, over 50 stab wounds. Um, the guy that murdered Loeb was basically accusing him of making sexual advances towards him. Um, but Leopold, in his book, wrote that he didn't find that as true. Um, but we never know what that situation Um at the low in the prison system, I think it's important to say the prison system tried to cover it up because they wanted the um I guess kind of put a shield or a veil over the fact that Lowe was in prison propositioning another man. Like things like that don't go on in prison, but whatever. Uh at the Lowe's death, Leopold was depressed. He withdrew inside himself and he became a model prisoner. Leopold's autobiography was published in nineteen fifty eight, titled Life Plus Ninety Nine Years. He was paroled in March of nineteen fifty eight and went on to work as a medical technician in Puerto Rico. He had a full life at the prison, y'all. He got a master's degree. He taught at the University of Puerto Rico, and he died August 29, 1977. Or is that 1971? It's 1971 or 77. I can't read my own writing, y'all. Usually when I write a seven, I usually like draw a line through the vertical part just so I can make sure that it's a seven and not a one because sometimes it looks like a seven, sometimes like it looks like a no. Let me just, y'all... Okay, I think it's 1971, though. He passed away. He died August 29, 1971, at the age of 66 of a diabetes-related heart attack. Okay, guys, so that was Leopold and Lowe, the murder and the murder of Bobby Franks. I hope you guys enjoyed the story, and thanks so much for listening. Pictures can be found on Instagram at Love or Obsession Podcast. Please send all messages and suggestions to loveobsessionpodcast at gmail.com. For merchandise, you can visit velmahood.com. I love you guys. I will be here next Tuesday. Please join me. It's Queen. Peace out.